1: reality is, though, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there has to be an answer. Either you're one that goes, or you're one that sends others who go, or you're one who lives in disobedience. There's not another option. It's part of your destiny. Take your copy of God's Word and and turn it on or or open it to Romans chapter 15. That's where we're going to be in just a moment. I want to make you aware of a couple of things. Today, as a part of our message, we'll be joining Christ followers from the last 2,000 years. And we'll be celebrating what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. So when you came in, some deacons were at the doors that made these little uh, elements available to you. If you're a Christ follower and you feel spiritually prepared to partake in that in the next few minutes, you'll need one of these. So if you did not get one of these when you came in, there are some deacons even now that are standing up. If you just slip your hand up, they'll make sure they put one of those in your hand. There's uh, also a special emphasis today that I want to make you aware of. In our church, uh, for the last 12 years, the the first weekend in May, we've called it Catch Up Sunday. And this has to do with our financial stewardship. And, And so... Let me give you a little bit of the background of that. Each year, we recognize that uh, God has given us a big vision to accomplish His purpose in our mission field. And so usually by this time of year, we, we recognize that we're not quite where we want to be In accomplishing that purpose, I've got good news for this year. That does not mean that we're spending more than we've brought in in our three campuses. Actually, in our three campuses together, uh, our spending is in line with that which you have given. It, It does also not mean that our giving is behind the previous year. As we look at our three campuses, the truth is, you are giving faithfully. But it means that like at your home, expenses increase this year, and so we've got some challenges. So when we don't meet our budget goal, that just means we're not able to do some of the ministries that we had planned and dreamed to do. And so we are, as some of you know, more than $100,000 off of that budget goal, so we set aside this day to give generously and sacrificially, and I would encourage you to do that, whether you're watching online or whether you're here. Uh, whether you do that by texting it in or giving through our app which I regularly do or putting it in a giving box or however you choose to do that i encourage you to be faithful in this way of giving because you're just never going to outgive god let me ask you a question do you know what your destiny is like like do you know what you are destined for Yesterday, the world watched as a new king was crowned in the UK. After 70 years, at 74 years old, King Charles fulfilled his destiny. Now, just think about that. He was born to be a king. It's not because of anything he's done, but simply because of the family that he was born into. During the coronation... Uh, He would sit on the coronation chair, and you can see that chair anytime you visit Westminster Abbey. I've been there on several occasions. Most recently, a couple of months ago, it was under repair for this moment. But underneath that chair, he would also be technically sitting on what is called the Stone of Destiny or the Stone of Scone. It's from Scotland, and legend has it that it dates back to monarchs in Scotland from maybe 500 A.D. Now, now truthfully, there's some legend that says it's a biblical stone that dates back to eight to Jacob. But um, most archaeologists say that's, that's probably not the reality. Here's what we know. Since the 13th century, though, this has been used in the coronation of all the monarchs in England. So, they brought this in from Scotland, and they sat it under the coronation chair, and then the new king sat on that chair over that stone of destiny. Remember what I asked you? I've got a newsflash for you. I was not destined to be the king of England, and neither were you last time I checked. But I do have a destiny and so do you. And I've discovered that life is going to be more fulfilling when you live your life in accordance with that destiny that that God has for you. So that's what we're going to spend the remainder of our time talking about with that same theme we've had for about eight weeks, which is how to change the world. I, I don't want the end of my life to come and it to be as if I never lived. I want to make a difference. I want to be a world changer. I want that for you. And and, and that's what we've been seeing in these last several weeks in the book of Romans. But the truth is, we've been in a much longer journey for months in this very important book in the Bible called Romans. We've discovered that this is a book about soteriology, which means it's a book that teaches us what it means to be saved. If you've been around church much at all, you've heard that term, saved, saved. So you ask questions like, what am I saved from? And the Bible teaches that when we're saved, we're saved from the penalty or the punishment of our sin. What are we saved to? We're we're saved to a life that can have destiny and that can have fulfillment in Christ. And so just like a a lifeguard would jump into a pool and, and save someone who's drowning, we believe that God saves us. And the book of Romans even tells us how that happens. It tells us that all of us are born sinners that that sin has to be punished, but that when Jesus died on the cross, a historical event, he took our punishment. That's where we learned a big word. We said that when Jesus took our punishment, it made it just as if we've never sinned. It made it just as if we've always obeyed. It justified us. And when we became justified, that means Christ looks at us and we have not to take his punishment, but we have an opportunity to take part in the destiny that God has prepared for us. And so the first 11 chapters of Romans dealt with all that, the doctrine of our salvation. The last five chapters of Romans deal with the duties that flow out of that salvation that we have. I heard this that someone said that describes it perfectly. The fire to do what we do in the Christian life comes from being soaked in the fuel of what's been done. Now, let me say that again because that's a good statement. The fire to do what we do comes from being soaked in the fuel of what's been done for us. What that speaks to is the difference between Christianity and every other major world religion. You know that difference, right? Every other major world religion is about what you do. In fact, in Islam, if you f- follow the five pillars of Islam, you're going to be okay, even if you're not from an Islamic background. In Buddhism, if you follow the noble eightfold path, you're going to be all right, even if you're not from a Buddhist background. And in his, Hinduism, there, there's so much awareness of so many other gods. If, if you've taken on Jesus, sure, that, that's great because it's going to come back down to what you do. You you see, in, in Christianity, we look at things differently. We say we're accepted by God, therefore, we obey God. Every other world religion says we obey God, therefore, surely we must be accepted by God. And so Romans is is helping us understand the difference between how we live out our faith as followers of Jesus and how other people in the world do that, and and how it looks on a practical basis in our lives. When we come to chapter 15, Paul has just challenged the church at Rome, because this is a letter to a specific church at Rome. He's just challenged them to stay focused on the main thing, to put aside those kind of trivial things that are divided them, and to stay on mission. And then he gets into a very personal challenge that I believe hits straight to the heart. So in fact, really, what I should have done, and I apologize in advance, but I I should have given you a content warning before you walked in the room. You see that everywhere now. I was just going through Twitter yesterday evening, and, and I as a content warning came across that Twitter post. And uh, so, but why would we have a content warning? Not because of foul language or because of sexual content, but because I, I just want you to know this: this is going to be tough to hear. Because some of us, we've understood what it means to be saved, and we feel like we've experienced God's grace, and we've got our ticket to heaven. But we're not living according to the duties of one who has been saved. And when you really first understand that, it it can be challenging. And so it, you may have come in today and you're looking for a feel-good message. I'm sorry. that That's probably not what's going to happen. So I want to pray for us, seriously, that we would hear in the heaviness of these truths... What God wants us to hear so let's just pray right now father once more we ask you to meet us here Holy Spirit oh give us what we need that we don't have teach us new things in you today or make us different begin in me or let the words I say and even my thoughts be pleasing to you Lord, for the person that does not yet know you, may this be the day of their forever salvation. Father, for your children gathered here, may this be a day where we truly discover our destiny. But most of all, just as we've prayed and just as we've sung and as we read your word, our desire is simple. In our lives, Lord. Be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 15, beginning verse 7, Paul says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. And in that phrase, we find the simple truth of of what our lives are to be all about. My life should bring pleasure or praise to God. Our glory to God. In another place in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says it this way Whatever you do, whether you eat or sleep or drink, whatever you do, do all for the what? The glory of God. So he's now going to describe then what that looks like to live for God's glory. I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. Again, simple statement there, but what he's saying is Paul's a Jewish scholar. He's talking to many other people who've had the Jewish faith. So they're very familiar with what they would call the Bible, what we call the Old Testament of Scriptures. And he's saying, everything you've read, everything you've learned, everything you've been taught through those that have gone before us was pointing to Jesus. And then he explains that. Moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And then he gives several scripture verses as it's written. Therefore, I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing the praises of your name. Again, he gives another one. Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. Another one. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the fourth passage, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. And then he he gives us a summary. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I try to read this passage in a lot of different translations. There's a paraphrase of scripture called the message. Listen to how it begins verse seven. It says, so reach out and welcome one another into God's glory. So if you understand that we're all in this together as part of the body of Christ, the family of God, and if you understand that ultimately our desire should be to bring glory to God, then we want to we want to link arms. We want to join hands. We want to go after this vision that God's given us so that we might live on purpose for his purposes and for his glory as we go. In other words, in light of who Jesus is and in light of what Jesus has done, let's all commit our lives to living for his greater glory. And that really could be a summary of what we should say every time we come together. Kind of like when a team comes together and puts their hands in in the middle, we should all do that and say, all right, now that we know what Jesus has done, and now we know what that means, let's leave this building prepared by the hands of man, and let's go into this world that God spoke into existence, and and let's tackle hell with water pistols, and, and let's live for the glory of God. Right? That's what it should be. Paul was reminding the Roman Christ followers of the centrality of Jesus. And so he uses Scripture and he, he goes to the Old Testament and says, hey, when, when this verse was given, it was pointing to Jesus. When that verse was given, it was just pointing to Jesus. Every time you see about hope in Scripture, it's pointing to Jesus. So now that we know Jesus is, he gives us that summary verse. He says, Man, our lives should be filled with joy. Our life should be filled with peace. Our, our life should be filled with hope because we've got Jesus. That's what we should be thinking about as followers of Christ. Jesus is the yes and amen. That's what he would say in 2 Corinthians 1:20. For no matter how many promises God's made, they're all yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us in the glory of God. So he's saying, every time you see God's word speak of hope, that hope is given to us in the person of Jesus. So why is this such a big deal? When you understand what Jesus has done for you, you want to celebrate who he is and what that means. That's part of why we come to worship every week because there's something about praising the name of Jesus. When I look at at my world and my problems and the difficulties and the challenges, it's easy to get overwhelmed and get discouraged. But then when I can come in and I can sing about how great my God is, and when I can read the Scriptures and see how good God is, that takes my eyes off of my junk and puts it on my Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the promises of God so that you you and I might walk in fellowship with him. You understand that, right? Our fellowship was broken. No matter how good you are, no matter what family background you came from, you were born into this world separated from God, not because of something you had done. You were born separated from God just because of who you are. The Bible says that you're a sinner just like me. That sin, that separates us from a holy God. In fact, it gets worse before it gets better. The Bible says that that sin has to be punished. The only fair punishment is death. And either we die as a result of our sin or we trust the one who died on our behalf. So the Bible teaches us that God demonstrates his love. He he shows us how much he loves us and that even while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died on our behalf. So when he died on the cross, it wasn't just at the hands of Romans or Jews. It was at your hands and my hands because he took our punishment. He took the punishment for our sin so that we would not have to take that punishment. Talks about that all through Hebrews. Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter ten, it describes the old system, and it says in verse ten, And by that will we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day every priest standing and, and performs his religious duty, and again and again he offers the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But when the priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time he waits for his enemies to be made a footstool. For by one sacrifice he's made perfect. Forever those who are being made holy. That's why when Jesus gathered with his disciples right before his death, he created a way for folks like you and me could always remember what he's done for us. So I invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to consider joining me in remembering and celebrating what Jesus has done and what that means. This little element that you have in your hand has two sides. If you take and open the bottom, you'll notice that there's a piece of bread, a little wafer. This represents the body of Jesus, which history and Scripture records was hung on a cross in the hottest heat of the day in the desert. Outside of the walls of Jerusalem. Beaten, bruised, shamed for you. The other side has a cup of juice. This juice represents the blood of Jesus. The passage I read in Hebrews dates us back and points us back to the Old Testament covenant. A covenant which would allow our sins to be forgiven in the old way by the shedding of blood of animals, goats or bulls. But you heard what I read. No matter how many times the priest does that, our sins keep coming back and we keep getting messed up. And that's an endless cycle. But when the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, was shed for our sin that sacrifice was made once and for all. So Jesus would say that evening, the Apostle Paul would later record in the early church and all of us today still partake of what we call the Lord's Supper, remembering His body and remembering His blood, what He's done for us and what that means. There's a warning that comes with this in Scriptures. The Bible reminds us that Before we should ever do this, we should should really look within ourselves. See if there's any unconfessed sin. Because it really says if we don't do that, we're drinking judgment upon ourselves. We're eating judgment upon ourselves. And we don't want to do that. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do just in a moment. Just it's like pressing pause in the midst of a a message, just to really zero our hearts and our minds around this idea of celebrating Jesus, who he is. what that means I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray that God just give us clarity in mind and that as we come back together and remember what he's done that that God uses us in our lives but then we're going to sing this old hymn and as we sing this I I wonder if there's some things in your life you just need to say God I, I I yield this to you I confess my sinfulness I repent I ask for your grace So let me just pray for us. Father, again in the name of Jesus, we're grateful. We're grateful, Jesus, for what you've done. You've forgiven us through your death. Your broken body, your shed blood is our pathway to grace. So Lord, we we say thank you. We even say thank you just for the This way you've given us to remember you. That all these years later, we from different backgrounds, we can come together and find the commonality that we have in you, Christ. And and we can rest in what you've already done. So, Lord, in this moment, we just celebrate you. We thank you for the truth of Scripture. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We take the bread. We remember His body broken for us. And then we take the cup, remembering His blood. Shed for the remission, the forgiveness of our sin. Thank you, Jesus. We do this as individuals and then together as a group in remembrance of you, celebrating who you are, Jesus, what you've done, and all that that means to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I thought it's important to make sure you understand that because you'll never discover your destiny apart from the reality of what Jesus came destined to do. So when you understand what Jesus has done for you, you want to celebrate who he is and what that means. But when you understand what Jesus has done for you, you also want to be a part of his church and join him in his mission. And so this is this is an area where I get to join my namesake. I was named after the Apostle Paul and agree with him in something he says here. Let me just read this verse, verse 14. For I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, you're filled with knowledge, and you're competent to instruct one another. And I, I just want you to know that's one verse in the Bible where Paul is writing to his friends in the church at Rome, and he says, hey, I just want you to know You guys are awesome. I think the church is great. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with
2: Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekday mornings at 9 here on Faith Talk Tampa.